0: Good morning. Welcome to Shelby Christian Church. How is everybody this morning? Good. We're glad you're here. And we're excited to have people online as well. So if you're joining us online and you're not able to make it out yet, we are so glad that you're online with us and, and just a part of the worship this morning as we worship together here at Shelby Christian Church couple quick announcements to let you know about first of all tonight 6:30 here at the student ministry building our high school ministry inside out kicks off we got worship teaching uh, life groups and and they're excited to get back together and do that Uh, Also, we have Wednesday nights back open here. We're doing it safely. We're trying to social distance. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. But if you're in a life group, uh, those are open and we're working to get all those going as time goes on. Uh, another thing that's happening is uh, Tuesday night, 6 to 8 p.m. at the picnic shelter, we have the mops group starting to meet again. And there's no child care provided, but the the moms of preschools, preschoolers will be able to meet in the picnic shelter. Again, that's from 6 to 8. So I guess they're... Uh, Their sidekick is the child care The dad's going to take care of that But but we're excited to get that up and going as well Uh, We've got a lot going on Make sure you go online to our website And check out the different things that are happening And again, we're so excited We're so excited that you're with us this morning for worship Let's pray together And then we'll uh, start to sing and, and worship together Father God, thank you for this morning Thank you for life in you Thank you that we all got up and got to take a breath And I pray that our hearts and minds would just be prepared for this approach to you. That it wouldn't be about the aesthetics in the room, wouldn't even be about the the music itself or where it's, whether it's on a screen or out of a book, but it would be about you. It would be about worshiping you, honoring you, glorifying you through through our worship, through our songs and our singing uh, that we would recognize that you are here and that you have rescued us. And that you deserve our worship. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: All right, let's try that again. Good morning, church. Why don't y'all stand on up as we worship our God together. Just one word, your heal is broken inside.
0: Could be seated. We're getting into our time of communion. If you've not made your way up to a table to get communion for yourself, you want to do that during this time. But um, as you can see, we've got two cups here. And in the bottom, there's a piece of bread or bread-like material. And then there's juice here. And it's to represent the body and the blood of Jesus. You know, when Jesus was preparing for the Last Supper with his disciples, he sent a couple guys ahead to make sure that the upper room was ready. He took time to have his disciples go and prepare a place for them to, to honor, to have this moment with him, called, we call the Last Supper, where he would take and show them the bread and he would say, this bread, this is my body. Whenever you eat this, eat it in remembrance of me. And then he passed the wine and he said, this wine, this is, uh, this is my blood. And whenever you drink of this, do this to remember me. And he prepared the whole thing out. And Paul tells us in Corinthians that when we approach the table, when we take this communion, this moment we're about to share together... That we're called to prepare our hearts. That we're supposed to make preparations in our hearts with God. In other words, we don't just take the little chip and the little juice and we just do it without thinking, but we think about what God has done, that we remember what Christ did on the cross, the thing that we couldn't do to pay for our sins. We remember that debt. And so we take a moment to prepare. And so when you take this bread this morning, when you drink this juice, take a moment to prepare. And Paul tells us to examine our hearts. To take those things that maybe we struggle with all the time, those sins, those very things that Jesus died for, and we tell them to him. We confess them to God so that we can receive that forgiveness, so that we can understand the price that was paid, so that we could be here this morning and approach God and worship because of what Christ has done. So as you take communion this morning, will you prepare the room Will you make a time in uh, this moment, this uh, communion, to spend it with God? To not just kind of flippantly take it, but to really examine ourselves and and really commune with the one who saved us. Prepare the room for Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you so much. That when Jesus sent those disciples, when he gathered them up in that upper room, he created for us something that we could think about every week here in church. That we could be reminded of the price that was paid, the debt that was paid off for our sin through his life. And I pray that as we take communion today together, that we would prepare our hearts and make the room that is necessary to remember to confess to examine and to point our head and our hearts in the direction that is jesus thank you for communion we call it a sacrament or a ceremony or just a time on the schedule of the church worship hour but it's more than that it's time spent with you It's it's a reminder of what you have done and how you love each of us. So thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: change to come
2: guys have had an awesome weekend. Had the weather been spectacular uh, this weekend and today and tomorrow are going to be awesome as well. But I'm really glad you guys are here today because I didn't really know what to expect Labor Day weekend. Here's why. Yesterday, uh, Kim and I uh, got to go and spend some time. We had a date day and we went to Natural Bridge as well as the rest of Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, and Tennessee, apparently. Uh, If you've ever been there before to Natural Bridge, and you know when you actually go up on... To the actual bridge and there's like that like that narrow little gap they needed a green light red light thing I mean there was literally like 150 at the top 150 at the bottom waiting to pass all the time And it just took it took longer to wait right there to get up on top of the bridge Than it did to kind of climb up to get to there So uh, now we went down another way You might ever gone down devil's gulch before it's called that for a reason. There was not a line of 150 in either direction to go up and down those steps yesterday. Uh, but, you know, we were singing that song just now. I knew we were the songs for today. And, and that part of the song where, we just talk, where it talks about, uh, I've seen you move the mountains. And I'm standing there yesterday underneath natural bridge, Looking up at that massive rock bridge And I'm thinking about a God That through his creation and everything about it And things that have transpired That he put those things in place He put those things in place And we're standing up there on on top of the bridge And over at another lookout point Just spending a lot of time And then even just driving home on the mountain parkway and Kim and I were just talking about how can anyone believe that this just happened? That there wasn't a supreme creator that put all this in place and just such a so I pray and I hope that uh, you can enjoy your weekend, the rest of the weekend. Because uh, I know we got a lot of folks traveling So if you're traveling, watch this online We're glad you're watching online today And look forward to you being back here uh, in worship and So I want to start this morning by asking everybody a question, alright? And, and if you're online, you might want to type in your answer If you're here, you might want to turn to the person next to you And tell them your answer So here's the question, alright? What is the hardest thing for you to keep doing? Of all the things in life that you'd have to do, need to do, what? what's the hardest thing for you to keep doing and maintain? Take 10 seconds, think about it, tell the person next to you, type it in on the screen real quick. I'm going to pray and we're going to jump in, okay? What's the hardest thing? What's the hardest thing? God, I pray that you'll help us today to dig into your word uh, and that you'll help us to work through what for some may be one of the hardest things Uh, that we have to do uh, in our daily life. God, help us to understand uh, the power of perseverance, persistence, and, and sincerity. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so here's the thing. I think for a lot of us, I think for a lot of us, one of the hardest things to do is maintain an ongoing prayer life. I'm not talking about the planes about to crash prayer life. I'm talking about life every day, and I just want to spend time every day with my Heavenly Father and to to be persistent in that, to be sincere in that. And persistence in and of itself is a difficult thing, but on June the 26th, 1986 persistence paid off for john searing some of you may remember that since he was a little boy john searing has has started watching the tonight show with his parents and it was in the era of johnny carson uh, and ed mcmahon and for some reason ever since he was a little boy john searing wanted to one time just one time in his life be able to be there and do the introduction, you know, that some of you remember, here's Johnny. And, and so that he wanted to do that. And so uh, in 1980, he started writing letters to the Tonight Show and asking, could I do that just one time? And they were like, they sent him an autograph picture, you know, thanks for liking the show or whatever. And, and he going to give up. And so over the next six years, get this, over the next six years, John Searing wrote eight Hundred letters to The Tonight Show. 800 letters just said, can I just one time, just one time, just one time come and introduce Johnny Carson. And so, middle of June, 1986, somebody from The Tonight Show actually calls him and goes, What's, what is up with this? Why do you, and just like, I just I just want to do it, just one time. And so, and so the person was talking and said, okay, we, we've talked about it, and we're, we've agreed, We're going to fly you out here at just one time. So on June 26, 1986, six years after he started writing this letter, John Searing landed uh, in L.A. They drove him out to Hollywood, picked him up a limousine, took him out there. He gets to be on The Tonight Show. They give him a script from Ed McMahon, says, Here's what you got to say before the show. And so as the, they come on the air and John Searing takes a deep breath and he reads this from Hollywood, The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. This is John Searing along with Doc Severinsen, the NBC or. Orchestra, inviting you to join Johnny and his guest Danny DeVito, and from the San Diego Zoo, Joan Embry, and letter writer John Searing, and the Adventures of the Adventures in the Kitchen with Doc. And then he paused for the drum roll, and here it comes. And now, ladies and gentlemen here's Johnny. And he got to do it. He got to do it. Johnny Carson comes out from behind the curtain like he always would. And and, and then he starts his bantering with, uh, with John Searing, invites him over, and they talk for a little bit. And then Johnny Carson goes, okay, okay, we got to move on now. Go and write no more. And that was how he ended the interview with John Searing. But for for six years for six years 800 letters we're not talking about text messaging we're not talking about email we're not talking about something that you can just copy and paste because that's a, if we if i was going to do it today that'd be it i would type the thing one time and then every morning i would just be paste 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 no you had to actually write it out 800 letters just with this one request jesus tells us a couple of parables at the beginning of luke chapter 18 The first one sounds a lot like John Searing in its own kind of way. Because we don't always know exactly why Jesus told the parables that he did. Sometimes the point he was getting at was uh, intentionally obscure and kind of hidden. However, if you look in verse 1 in this case, Luke alerts us in advance so we can't possibly miss what Jesus was going to (laughs) do. Hello? (laughs) man, this prayer stuff is powerful, right? God's calling. Uh, And and, and so Luke tells us the purpose of this parable is to show us that we should always pray and not give up. That we should always pray and not give up. And and so this first parable, in the beginning of this first parable, shows us some practices for persistent prayer. Look starting in verse 2. Here's what it says. In a certain town... There was a judge. Now, remember, this is a parable. So what? It's a, right? it's a made-up story, right? That's what parables are, are, earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Jesus makes this parable up. He tells this illustration to illustrate the, this teaching that he's going to do. He says, so this, imagine, in, a, in a certain town, there's a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice from my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself... Even though i don 't fear God or care about what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, keeps pestering me, keeps sending me letters, keeps doing whatever, I will see that she gets justice so that she won 't eventually come <laughs> and attack me. I love that part like there's like this this king 's word that like this this little widow lady's going to come and beat him up or something I, I thought that was an interesting part of the parable, and, and the Lord said. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, he will find faith on the earth. Now, there's some interesting characters in this story. I think it's important to just look at these characters real quickly as this story starts. We start off, we're first of all introduced to this calloused judge. The Bible tells us that he doesn't care about anyone but himself. He doesn't fear God, and he doesn't care what people think. I think, unfortunately, today we would all agree that it seems like in our world we are surrounded by those kind of people that there are a lot, of far too many of those type of people in our world that they really don't care about anything except their own agenda. They don't, they're not afraid of God. They don't care about people. They just want to do what they want to do. The second character that we're introduced to in verse 3 is this helpless, this, this, this widow, this persistent widow. She's helpless and she's vulnerable. And I think Jesus puts it in this way because she kind of illustrates those that are poor and needy among us. And I don't even necessarily mean financially poor. Those that just can't seem to get ahead. That It just seems like no matter what's going on, that it just doesn't work out. That, that No matter how hard they try, they just can't get over the hump. And so they find themselves vulnerable They don't have an, They don't have somebody that's an advocate for them and, and so there's this persistent widow helpless vulnerable poor and needy And then there's a merciful god that jesus reminds us of in verse 7 This god this merciful god that he reminds us of that truly truly cares About us if we could take from here today and leave here today as a community of changed lives and take a message to the streets. I think one of the most important messages that we could take to the streets is that there is a God who truly cares about people. That there is a God, and he's not some cosmic killjoy in the sky waiting to drop lightning bolts on us or anything he is there and he truly, truly cares about us. If we could just share that message over and over and over again in the world in which I think it could change things, but there's a merciful God that we're introduced to. And then finally, kind of obscurely, Jesus kind of introduces us to some faithful followers. What a faithful follower looks like that received justice as an eternal reward and 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 i think in the midst of all of these characters and this story that jesus kind of gives us a recipe a recipe for persistent prayer i want to give you some some ingredients for persistent prayer that i think we can find in there and the first is to be intimate to make our prayer life intimate james 4 8 says come near to god and he will come near to you things I would suggest is is to choose a a peaceful environment See the one of the, I think one of the biggest problems with the airplane crashing kind of prayer or the sickness the, the ship sinking kind of prayer is those aren't very peaceful environments I think we need to figure out for our own and where your peaceful environment is may not be mine But I think we need to get in a pattern of just finding some place where we can get And we're not scared we're not worried. We're, we're kind of in our, our comfort place. We're in a place where we, we feel confident and, and we can meet God there. We can get along with God there. And then we can just talk to him. We can choose this peaceful environment. And just talk to him. Keep our prayer life conversational, just between you and God. Maybe take some time occasionally and, and write your prayers out. I mean, make sure you say the right thing. Make, make sure you say what you want to say, make sure you don't forget things that you want to talk to God about, and maybe even maybe even take the time to to vary your posture in prayer we'll see more about that in, in a few moments, but maybe sometimes your prayer is just sitting quietly and just listening, just sitting quietly and just listening to God and peacefully taking it in. Maybe it's standing and praising and celebrating. Maybe it's it's on your knees and just total repentance. God, it's been a hard week. I've come up short. Uh and, and so to to vary that posture, but to but to be intimate. To be intimate. The, the second ingredient I would say to put in this recipe for persistent prayer is, is to be constant. First Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul writes, Pray continually. Pray continually a lot of people think that when jesus when the bible tells us that jesus wept that that's the shortest verse in the bible But that's just because of how it's translated in english. This is actually the shortest verse. Just pray continually Pray Continually to get in the habit and just pray continually. How many how many days does it take to make a habit? Three weeks 21 days that's what, that's what most people do. Three weeks, 21 days. Here's what I want to encourage you to do today. I want to encourage you to start today. Start today. In fact, those of you who've got your, your, your phones with you, your calendars with you, I, I want to encourage you maybe even right now. It would be great with me, and I think great with God, if right now, if you would get your phone, and you would, for the next 21 days, pick a time, pick a time. Put it in your phone. Put, a, put an alarm that's going to remind you. And then for 21 consecutive days, you're going to pray at this time, and you're just going to get alone with God. You're just going to get alone with God and spend some time. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's late at night. Maybe it's on lunch break at work. I, it, different is because there is no special time. There is no pick time except for you. What works for you? What's a time for 21 days that you could get serious about being consistent, and being constant in prayer. Here's the reason I said that. Tw- three weekends from now, there's a, there's a big event going on in our nation's capital called Return that's calling our nation, based on 2 Chronicles 7, 14, that's calling our nation to a time of repentance and prayer. And it culminates three weekends from now uh, in our nation's capital. I thought, man, it'd be great wouldn't it be great if, if we could start today and for three weeks leading up, we just, we're just going to pray. God, I'm just going to be constant. I'm just going to be constant uh, in our prayer. And, and also, we're working on something. We've got to get through some of these other relaunch things that we're doing. Um, but we're working, this, this group of pastors that's been meeting together, we're working on a prayer initiative for our whole community where churches will take one day a month. And for 24 hours, that one day every month, that one day every month that the church and people from the church would be in prayer. so we're going to block off half hour segments that we can make sure we got 20. Now, I mean, some, some of us going to have to get up in the middle of the night to pray, right? But once a month to, to make a difference, to, to be intimate, but to be constant. And here leads us to the next one, <laughs> to be bold. That's the third ingredient here is to be bold. James, the half brother of Jesus says, when you ask... And you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You gotta get it right. I remember a, a family circus cartoon. Y'all remember family circus? I remember a family circus cartoon years ago where Billy's holding this, his football and it's completely flat. And, and the caption says, I need a new football so bad. And I don't know if I should send up a prayer, write a letter to Santa Claus or just call grandma. Sometimes that's kind of how our prayers are. You see, being bold isn't being obnoxious. It's not that give me this or give me that. It's just being honest. This is, God, this is what it seems like I need right now. This is what it seems like, which leads us to the next thing, and that is after we're, we're bold, we be specific. Be specific. Here's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, which of you... Uh, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone. Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. And then get this. He says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? But, but uh, you get that. Be specific. But here, understand this. Understand this. God knows What you need He just kind of wants to have that conversation with us See as as a loving parent And and grandparent now I would much rather have my kids or my grandkids Just come out and ask me for what they need Rather than beat around the bush Just let's just be real. What do you need? What do you need? Because we're going to take care of needs maybe not once But we're going to take care of needs. Just what is it that you think you need? Let's talk about it. And and that's how our prayer life is with God. He knows what we need. He just wants to have that conversation with us about it. And for us to be specific. And then finally, the last ingredient is to be humble. To be humble first john chapter 5 verse 14 and 15 says this is the confidence i love that word confidence this is the confidence we have in approaching god then if we ask anything according to his will and he hears us he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we ask of him see sometimes god answers our prayer immediately I mean, that, that sometimes actually becomes a little bit of the of the struggle with it Because there, there, there are those times that, that prayer is like answered almost so fast It is almost like a genie in the bottle It's like we pray and boom, it happens And it's almost, sometimes God answers us exactly as we pray And it's almost immediate And, and, and the difficulty with that is then we, bec- then we come to expect that Then we come to expect that for everything all the time but sometimes god answers yes and he does it immediately sometimes he just doesn't answer because as a parent have you ever just kind of just not ignored your kids at all but just not answered right away you're just trying to let them figure it out on their own you're just kind of letting them wrestle with it because it's the wise thing and i think sometimes god just lets us kind of wrestle with it and figure out if that's really what we need sometimes he says no That's not what you need. And so that's not how it's going to be answered. And he also says, no, because you don't see what I see. See, that's a hard thing. Isn't it a hard thing? And there's so much of this I keep drawing back to our parent relations. Isn't it hard when, when as a parent, you, you tell your child no about something and, and they just can't understand it. But you've got, you've got vision of a few more years, a few more miles on the odometer. You see some things that they just can't see as an eight, 10, 12, whatever year old kid. And so you guys, and you know you're breaking their heart, but you know it's the right thing. You know it's the right thing. So sometimes God has to say no. And sometimes just God says, just not now. I think in those no and not now moments, that's when we truly have to humbly trust him. That's when we truly have to humbly trust that he's a God that loves us. So there's some, there's some practices for persistent prayer. But there's another parable that comes right after this, starting in verse 9. And the first part of this parable shows us some obstacles. To effective prayer. And in this one, Jesus, as you're gonna see, he turns his attention directly to the Pharisees. Look at verse 9 in your text. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. That's a long sentence definition of Pharisee. Those who are overconfident in themselves and look down on others. Jesus tells his parable. He says, two men two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee and the other a tax collector now understand tax collectors in the time jesus is telling this is like the lowest of the low okay and and so jesus is saying went up to the temple a pharisee and a tax collector the pharisee stood by himself and prayed god i thank you that i'm not like other people robbers evil doers adulterers or even this tax collector (laughs) did you get that How did that period parable start? Jesus paints this picture. They went to the temple They went to church. They're worshiping in the same church building together Do you get that? And 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 once again, it's a made-up story But jesus wouldn't have made it up if he hadn't seen it happen. All right And, And he said they're there together. The one guy said i'm glad i'm not like him And it's almost like he's pointing across the room All right And then he says I fast twice a week And I give a tenth or a tithe of all I get. See, the obstacles here in in effective prayer, first of all, start with this false sense of security. This false security in who you are. How does it make you feel when you see someone who doesn't feel like the rules apply to them? Like the rules apply to everybody else, but the rules don't apply to me. I, I can make this rule, I can make this law, but I don't have to abide by it. Bob Russell said, leaders are always the example, not the exception. You see, there's this false sense of security in who you are. And, and, and we, here's, here's kind of sometimes how we experienced it. I want you to imagine you're driving down the road. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, you look in the rearview mirror, and you see something like this. You see, you see blue lights behind you. Okay, in that moment right now, it just happened. What are you feeling? Uh, what's the very first thing you do the very first thing you do when the blue lights come on you just glanced at the speedometer didn't you you did you, in your mind you're looking at the speedometer and in your vehicle you can probably see the digits you know how they show up or if you you know you've got a needle what you know, first thing you do and, and and then then you start looking around well that guy just went by me he's going faster I those guys they're going faster than I am or i'm just trying to fit into the flow of traffic Because the initial thought for most of us is as soon as the blue lights come on They're after me How do you feel When they drive by you? Everybody just feel a lot better didn't you? (laughs) Like I caused a momentary panic attack, just making you think of something that you probably have actually experienced. See the, these these great. It's great to feel secure that oh, they're not after me, but sometimes we have this false sense of security. Like I can do no wrong, and and, and then there's another obstacle, and that is just the arrogant attitude toward others. Not just the false security in who you are, but your attitude toward others, this arrogant attitude toward others. Look back at our text. Look at how, Look at the posture. I told you we were coming back to talk about the posture. Look at the posture. It says that the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. See, standing in prayer was the typical posture for Pharisees because they wanted everyone to see them pray. It was kind of a position of authority. They were over everyone. In my Bible, there's a footnote with this part of the scripture and that says uh, that this particular thing could have been transferred. This particular phrase could have been transferred. He prayed to himself. Wow. Wow. That's a different level, isn't it? This arrogant attitude, he prays to himself. So there's this false sense of security in who we are. There's this arrogant attitude toward others at times. And then there's the foolish game of comparison to others. I read a story, just a little thing, one of those little magazine kind of things. story about a traveling salesman that went on the same kind of route every day. And one day uh, he noticed that on his country road, he went going down, that the farmer had, had whitewashed his barn. And, and, and he noticed that there in that muddy, dirty, ugly, you know, pasture and, and barn lot there around the barn, that how that whitewashed barn really stood out and how pretty it was. And it wasn't long till fall and winter came. And, and then one day he was driving through there and there was a fresh snowfall. And he looked over and he noticed that whitewashed barn against the freshly fallen white snow And he thought how dirty the barn looks. It's all about what we're we're comparing things to. So let me ask you, and this is a tough question. I don't dare want you to answer this for anybody other than yourself, but who do you compare yourself to? Maybe another way of saying that is, who's your standard of righteousness? And there's only one standard that we can compare ourselves to, and his name is Jesus. This, this, This Pharisee, as he prayed, was comparing himself to others and god i thank you that i'm better than them i thank you that i've got this right or i've got that right and i'm not like them and and then the fourth obstacle and then we need to move on is just counting on your own good works look in the very look in verse 12 there verse 12 is wow notice this guy brags about his fasting fasting is a good thing I, I would I would say that we as a church need to do more fasting. I'm not talking about dieting I'm talking about fasting and giving up time to really call on God to do something to make a difference fasting is a really really good thing, but this guy's This guy's bragging about jesus said not even let people know when when you're fasting uh, And then the second thing he bragged about is tithing once again, it's a good thing That's a good thing. We're called to the scripture calls us to do it But when the Bible talks about not letting the right hand know what the left hand is doing, it's talking specifically about not you standing up and bragging about how much you give. It, it's, that, it's that story of the widow and her two mites that Jesus painted that was a real story. And he called the disciples and said, Watch this. And the people, the Pharisees, were coming and they were bringing their tithes in bags of money and they were dropping it at the disciples' feet. They were, they were like huge bags of money and they were bragging about how much they gave. And Jesus' point was, Look at that widow and she's just giving them all that she has. It's not about you know, letting people know how much you give. Don't brag. Because listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, for it is by grace that we've been saved, through faith, by faith, so that none of us could boast about what we've done. You see, if it was by fasting or by tithing or by staying in the nursery until Jesus comes back, and that's what got us to heaven, then it was something we did. But it's nothing we did. We do because of what he did And understanding that we don't count our own works So we, we've seen this morning And we're about to, we're about to We've seen some, some principles for or some practices for persistent prayer. We've seen some obstacles to effective prayer. And then real quickly, I want to show you the last two verses of that parable and show you some strength in sincere prayer. The tax collectors were considered, like I said, the worst in Jesus' day. And, and, and so what a contrast of people, a Pharisee and a tax collector. Look at verse 13. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, "God, have mercy on me a sinner." And then Jesus, and I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled and the humble, uh, and, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Three things, real quick, we're done. Three things about sincerity and prayer. There needs to be sincere motives the way jesus told this story unlike the pharisee this tax collector is not trying to impress anyone in fact he's standing off in the wings he doesn't even want to be seen he just can't believe that he's even allowed in he's not trying to impress anyone this tax collector's only concern was connecting to god he stayed at a distance from people but he wanted to be close to god and notice what he said Have mercy on me. This might be something we we want to write down. This hashtag is better. Hashtag have mercy on me is greater than hashtag look at me. Where do we fall? Where do we fall? Are our motives sincere? Sincere prayer has sincere motives. It, It doesn't condemn others. It doesn't preach sermons. It just connects with God. And then there's a sincere reverence. Look back at verse 13. It says he wouldn't even look toward the heavens. He realized he was unworthy in the sight of God, but he wanted to be close to God. John Orberg is a great writer, and he wrote a book called The Life You Always Wanted. And in that book, he has an chap, entire chapter about this particular story in Scripture, and the chapter is entitled Appropriate Smallness. Appropriate Smallness. Louis Giglio preaches a great message about how big we think we are at times. And then he does this great thing with, with all these kind of images on a, on a huge, huge screen behind him of the universe. And, and, and then he starts pointing out how big we think we are and how powerful we think we are and how rich we think we are. And then he points out how really, 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 really small we are in terms of all creation. And it's a sincere reverence to a big God, to a holy God. And sincere prayer understands the bigness of God and comes in humble reverence. And finally, there has to be, after sincere motives and sincere reference, there has to be a sincere evaluation. The Pharisee compared himself to others, but the tax collector compared himself to God. He understood who his standard of righteousness was. See, I, I think that sincere prayer evaluates our needs and our wants and understands the futility of our future without God. But it happens when there's a time of sincere evaluation. We realize, right, I think more than ever in the last six months, That's what I noticed yesterday. All those people at Natural Bridge, it's like everybody's been locked up somewhere for six months and they just wanted to get out. And we've noticed more than ever before, I think, if we're honest, that without God, it doesn't matter if we conquer a virus. Without God, we'll never figure this race thing out. And that we have to sincerely evaluate what's important in life and ask ourselves, "Am am I doing the right thing? am i expecting the right thing a little over a hundred years ago president woodrow wilson was on this train tour of the u.s he was just going around and uh, and visiting places he and his, his his wife edith and they stopped in billings montana and the train stopped at Billings, Montana. The story's told of how two little kids came running toward the train and they were so excited, everybody else that was there to see the president. And they were so excited as the train stopped, they ran literally to the right to the back of the car where the president and his wife came out and they, and they were there. And and one of the little boys walked right over to the steps and handed his flag to the president. And and it was it was so touching and so cool. And, and actually, Mrs. Wilson got down off the train and thanked the little boy. Well, his, his friend standing there next to him and realizes, I don't have a flag. I ain't got nothing. So he starts going through his pockets. And as he goes through his pockets, he finds one little penny. And he hands it to the president. And this time, the president stepped down off the train and thanked the little boy. They went on their way, and the train went on. Almost five years to the day later, President Wilson died. And when his wife was going through his wallet, in the back corner in a little crunched-up area, she found a piece of paper, and as she pulled the piece of paper out, she realized that it was really folded around something, and she unfolded the piece of paper. That piece of paper was folded around that little penny that the boy had given him on the train five years earlier. She talked about how it turned out that the president had really appreciated the sincere gift of a little boy. It's all I got. It's all I got, Mr. President. I think our God wants to come to us and say, this is all I got. The sincere gift of a sincere heart. This is all I've got. Guys, the bottom line is God isn't concerned with the size or the value of what we bring to him, but rather with the regularity, the persistence, the sincerity of how we come. Well, the last thing I want you to notice, and and you can read back and look, in both of these stories, notice God's response. The widow, it says, received justice. She received justice, and the tax collector was justified. You see, through prayer, God comes into our lives... And makes us who we long to be. But more importantly, through prayer, God comes into our hearts and makes us who he wants us to be. God, thanks for loving us. And and thanks for loving us enough to give us Jesus. So God, we come to you right now and we just ask that, that you'll help us to be persistent and sincere in our conversations with you that will they'll be daily That we won't compare to others but that we'll just talk with you and god that begins with having a sincere relationship with you and so this morning as we finish we just want to give an opportunity god that if there's somebody here today that needs to step into a sincere relationship with you to find out what that looks like we know that's going to happen in each of our next services god but maybe needs to happen in this service so god during this time we want to give this time to you may you draw us to where you want us to be in jesus name amen would you guys stand up with me as ethan leads us in this song jason's going to be down here if you just need prayer if you need someone to talk to uh come on down here and jason can either take care of it or hook you up with one of our elders somebody that's here but while we sing if you need to take a step to draw into a sincere relationship with christ why don't you come while we sing together
1: show me you'd
2: Thank you so much for being here today. If you're new, don't forget we've got uh, the big orange wall that says I'm new out there got a special gift for you. Some of you, if you're in the back, you may not be able to see. If Those of you are up front can see we're actually doing a little bit of work in here. And no, the blue tape is not permanent. Uh, we are recarpeting from the front and kind of moving in sections. And so that's just to hold down the curves. But this carpet's done us for uh, almost 16 years. And so it's new carpet going down. And so each week you can kind of see the wave moving. But just in case you were worried, no, the blue tape doesn't permanent permanently, okay? So thank you guys for being here. Let's go make a difference in the world. See you next week.